Let us be attentive. You, O Lord, shall keep and preserve us. Save me, O Lord, for the godly man has failed. Wisdom. The reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. Let us be attentive. In those days, as we were apostle, as we apostles were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by soothsaying. She followed Paul and us, crying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul was annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hopes of gain were gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. When they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs which it is not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Having received their charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's fetters were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we all are here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Men, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in the house. And he took them that hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once with all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced with his household that he had believed in God. Peace be with you, the reader. At that time, 
Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night comes when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the man's eyes with the clay, saying to him, Go wash in the pool Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, Is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He said, I am the man. They said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. The Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? There was a division among them. So they again said to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who, has been, who had been blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you too want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses, who know that God has spoken to Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is a marvel. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes.
We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who speaks to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Glory to you, O Lord. Christ is risen. I remember coming across a, a video several years ago. Uh, some of you might have even seen it. I enjoyed it very much, so I want to relate it to you for just a moment. We can find a spiritual lesson in this little video I saw. This man is just kind of wandering down the, some city street, and it looks like he's you know, chomping on a cookie or something like that, and he walks across, he stumbles over a stethoscope, just sitting there in the middle of the street, kind of interesting, and he kind of is perplexed about that. He, he picks it up and he kind of puts it to his ears and uh, figures, well, let me, let me try out this thing and see if it works. So the first thing he does is he, he puts it on his cookie, see if he can hear something, and all of a sudden he hears that, that old song, uh, Sugar, Oh Honey, Honey. I don't know if you remember that one. So he becomes more curious about this, and he goes over, he's walking along, and he sees a, a, you know, a pole, like a, a light pole on the street, and he, he kind of you know, leans up against it, and he puts the stethoscope onto the pole. Then, of course, what does he hear? Lean on me when you're not strong. Remember that song. He goes on, he sees a car. Now he's really wondering, what's this going to sound like? So he puts the stethoscope onto the car, and he sees, here's that you know, famous rock song, if you start me up, you'll never stop. All right. And another one that was humorous, or several of them, I picked out just a few, but I thought it was funny. He, he grabs a Slurpee, and he puts the stethoscope up to that one, and he hears the Ice Ice Baby song from a long time ago. Now, he pauses, and he he kind of takes a deep breath and he puts it to his chest. He puts it to his own heart because he's wondering what is he going to hear when he does that. To his, I guess, great surprise and, and joy, he hears the, the hallelujah from Handel's Messiah because he's a Christian man 
and he knows that Christ is living in him, and he is able to hear that sound within himself. In Colossians 1.27, it says, And the mystery is that Christ lives in you, and he is your hope of sharing in God's glory. I suppose each and every one of us would take kind of a deep breath and pause and with a little bit of angst put that special stethoscope to our own chest and say, what would I hear? What soundtrack would be playing inside of me if I were able to hear such deep spiritual things? It's a great thing, the word stethoscope. It comes from the Greek words stethos, you know, the chest, and skopin, to, to look to look inside and see what is there. A great father of the church, St. Makarios the Great, an Egyptian desert father, he wrote this about the human heart and what is to be found inside of all of us, really. He says, Within the heart is an unfathomable depth. There are reception rooms and bedchambers in it, doors and porches, and many offices and passages. In the heart is the workshop of righteousness and of wickedness. In it is death, and in it is life. The heart is to be Christ's palace. There Christ the King comes to take his rest with the angels and with the spirits of the saints, and he dwells there, walking within it, and placing his kingdom there. Brothers and sisters in Christ, within the heart, all things can be found, as St. Makarios just said, and certainly within the heart can be found either light or profound darkness. Remember that the theme of this gospel reading today and of so many other things of what Christ has said is that he is the light of the world and he is the light to shine within each and every one of us. First John, he says that God is light and that he dwells in unapproachable, in eternal, uncreated light. We know Christ himself frequently said things like this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again in 2 Corinthians, St. Paul tells us, For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is what our calling is. Our calling to receive Christ, who is the light. Our calling to keep that light shining and burning within us. That stethoscope, would it shine? Would it hear the joyous things within us? Would it hear the gospel good news and the rejoicing that God has given within us? Once again, if we could really look inside, what would we hear and what would we see? Hopefully it would be the light that Christ has bestowed upon us, that is there shining brightly and, God willing, becoming brighter and brighter each and every day as we cultivate our relationship with Christ and grow in his life. There's another great story from Plato's Republic, the allegory of the cave, which I'm sure is very familiar with some of you. 
It's a great story, and we can apply it to our life. What Plato speaks about is these people who were born in a cave. They were literally born there and brought up there all of their life. Not only were they born in the darkness of this cave, but they were chained hand and foot and even neck. So all they could do is look straight ahead against the wall of that cave. Now the funny thing about this parable is that behind them, there's a a blazing fire and puppets and figurines are passed in front of that fire so all they see against the back of the wall, of course, are shadows. But this is what they've seen all their life from they were born till they were 10, till they were 20, 30, whatever. This is their reality. They look against the back of the wall. They can't even look at one another so all they see are these shadows, but they say those things are real. Whatever shape or figure they might be, a cup, a bowl, a person, who knows? The people passing these figurines back behind, in front of the light of that fire, sometimes speak and talk, and so they hear voices too, and they think the voices are coming, of course, what? From the wall that they're looking at, because they can't see or perceive anything else. This, to them, is what reality is. Plato goes on to say that one day, one man gets free. He's unshackled, or someone helps him, at least, to become unshackled. And he turns around, and his eyes are blinded suddenly, of course, because he, he sees this, this raging fire, and he doesn't understand what's going on. And sooner or later, he starts to get his vision back, and he's able to see that those figurines that had been passing in front of the fire were the ones that were casting a shadow, and those are the real things. It wasn't just the blackness and the shadows on the back of the wall that were real, but those shapes and those figures of those objects that he could now see in reality and touch. But furthermore, he goes up and eventually even goes outside the cave into the real world. And imagine how his eyes there, where he sees at noontime the brightness of the sun, how, how blinded he would become all of a sudden. But then things would come, to, come into focus. He'd be able to see nature. He'd see the trees and he'd hear the birds and hear the real sounds coming from people's very mouths and see the sun itself clearly. Well, after this revelation, after seeing a true reality, kind of two steps beyond even what he thought was reality, just the shadows on the back of the wall, he says, and he looks down, and he looks at his poor people that he was kinship with and knew them so well. He says, those poor people think that what they see what they hear down there is real, is fact. He says, I need to help them. He has compassion on them. And he goes down and he tries to tell them, look, look, if I can just release you, you can experience real things. And many of them refuse because as soon as they they deny it, they say, there can't be anything else. This is all I know. The shadows on the back of the wall That, for me, is reality. And all this man can do that has seen the light of day, have seen the real figures, he just pours out to them his heart and says, no, no, you need to come with me. It's painful. It will hurt at first. Your eyes will need to adjust. Your your whole worldview will need to change. But nevertheless, please come with me. Plato says many of those people, of course, reject the person. And they say, if it's going to hurt us, we don't have anything to do with you. 
and they even would take up and try to hurt him, in fact. When we go to this beautiful parable, not parable, the story in the Gospel of John today of this man who, as we know, was born without eyes, St. John Chrysostom says, all his life living in darkness, that's what he knew. But then the light of life, the light of the world, comes to him and wants to show him something very real. Not only the world around him, but if you notice at the very end, he says that I am the one, I am the Son of Man who has come into the world. Do you believe this? And the blind man now, who has sight, says, I believe it. And he worships Christ. And he sees the ultimate truth. He acknowledges God come in the flesh. There's a play on words here that the pool Siloam means sent, as the evangelist tells us. Because not only did Christ send that man to the pool to wash his eyes and receive his sight, but after that, the man is also, by his own compulsion, sent to people to reveal Christ incarnate. How can one transformed and illumined by the light of Christ, by faith in the Son of God, not go and bear witness to such things? How can the man who had been released from the cave not go back to the people to tell them about reality, about truth, about what he has been able to discover? Even if it might cost him his life, he wanted to go back down there and share with them what he has seen. And if you notice, even the jailer today, who thought that he was going to now lose his life because his prisoners, Paul and Silas and those with him, had been unshackled and were going to go free, there's a symbolic thing that happens. It says, and then he called for the lights to be turned on because the gospel of Christ, he was ready to receive. He was ready to receive what Paul had to preach. He was ready to be baptized together with his whole household. And so those lights that have been turned on show that he has been illumined by the truth of the gospel. Now, a lot of times it does come with a cost that we who have received the light of Christ, we who have the knowledge of God, the fullness of the truth revealed to us through the church, that we want to go and proclaim this to others and we need to share it in this starving and this thirsting world where people are leaving, as we know, Christian churches by the droves more and more. They need a spiritual home. We have the light of Christ. We need to give that away. The true philosopher who loves Christ, the one who loves the wisdom incarnate and has come to see the, clearly the light of Christ cannot but become a light to the world. He will often, as I just said, be rejected. The blind man who proclaimed Christ as the Son of God, he was cast out of the synagogue. But it didn't matter to him. He was still going to go proclaim Christ the truth because people need him for salvation. The man who had escaped the cave knew what cost it might be to go down to preach reality to those people, but he was going to do it. He has compulsion to do such a thing. The jailer, who I'm sure it's going to cost him his job now that he becomes a Christian, it doesn't matter. He and his household are baptized, and he's going to proclaim it to his fellow Roman soldiers 
no matter what. This is a great gift, as we know, brothers and sisters in Christ, to have had our eyes opened, our spiritual eyes and our hearts having received the light of Christ inside of us. Let it illumine us. Let it illumine our families. Let it illumine all those who come into contact with us because we have a duty, a responsibility, and like I said, we cannot but do such a thing to a world that needs the Lord, needs the promise of his kingdom to come, needs the promise of eternal life. We know the famous passage from Matthew, but let us ponder on it. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all of those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Christ is risen. Christ is risen.